Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Back by no one's demand but our own from our home office here in beautiful, not quite sunny yet, but still scenic, quarantined Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee. It is the 615 Sessions podcast powered by Tennessee Tickets, brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Buck Rising here with you. Very happy to be back for the last pod of the week. Hope you guys are getting ready for a safe and socially distanced weekend. We got Preds hockey on the horizon. There are actual local sports things for us to discuss. And that's what we're going to do on today's pod. There has been rulings made by both Governor Bill Lee and then after the fact, Mayor John Cooper on the state of high school football in Tennessee and then in Metro Nashville. Chad Withrow of the Midday 180 on 104.5 The Zone, and Joe Dubin, Big Joe on the go from WSMV, noted high school football acolytes, experts in the field here locally. We had them on to discuss everything that took place over the course of yesterday's news cycle with the uh, executive order number 55 allowing contact sports in the state of Tennessee, not just for football, but for girls soccer as well for the entire state. And then the decision made by the administration of Nashville Mayor John Cooper to not allow contact sports in Metro Nashville until at least Labor Day, at which point they would reevaluate. So all that news broke while we were in the middle of potting. Then we've got five good minutes on where the hell is Vic Beasley? the Titans outside linebacker, because we have not yet discussed that or Isaiah Wilson being placed on the NFL's reserve slash COVID-19 list. A lot of stuff to talk about today. We will get to it without further ado. First up on the docket, Chad Withrow and Joe Dubin. Back here, 615 Sessions Podcast, A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Joe Dubin, Chad Withrow, high school football, the topic of conversation. I'm told our guests are pissed off for greatness given the news that we have just seen come down the pike. It is good to see both of you. Big Joe, it's been a minute since you've been on the pod, uh, but I'm happy to see both my friends and happy to have this discussion here today. Thanks, brother. Always a pleasure to be with you guys. It is good to see Joe as well. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen him, probably since uh, Kansas City for the AFC yeah. Championship game with the Titans. It's good to see anyone, quite frankly, Buck, because <laughs> I really haven't been anywhere since then. It feels like it's been about three years since that game happened. Uh, so it's, it's good to be with you guys, even if it's virtually. 
Yes, indeed. So, Tennessee high school football was to this point and still is to this point approved by Executive Order 55. Governor Bill Lee put that out yesterday, allowing contact sports the great state of Tennessee. But now we have breaking news that Joe Dubin, expert journalist that he is, brought to the attention of the group before we got ready to go, and it relates to Metro Nashville. Joe, why don't you share with the people the email that Tennessee high school football coaches in Metro Nashville received from the administration of Mayor John Cooper? Not only that, how about I read it to you that just came down about 15 minutes ago, and it's from uh, Alex Jahangar, or Jahangar, the doctor that's always on TV, and it on says basically – to, to sum it up is that they are going to uh, extra extracurricular activities until at least after Labor Day and resume only if the metrics, the key metrics for the roadmap to reopen Nashville are improved and stable. And there have been no obvious increased incidence of transmission from these type of activities in other school districts. So basically Davidson County high school football is put on hold to at least Labor Day, but according to what I'm reading, it could be go on after that. And I've talked to a few coaches, and I know, Chad, you will as well, Metro coaches, not happy, not happy with this because the governor says it's okay, now the mayor's coming and says it's not okay. And I feel awful for these kids that we said before, and Chad, again, I'll reference you again, these kids, some of these kids go to school only to play sports, and it keeps them – out of trouble. It kept me out of trouble. I'll go back that far. So I hate it for these kids in Nashville who are not playing football. That's been taken away from them. I hate it. Yeah, you've got, I mean, first off, just the issue of school being in session or not, you've got a lot of single parent households. You've got a lot of two parent households where both parents work and they don't have the means to afford childcare during the day. So that's going to be an issue. And then, like Joe was saying, you've got an extracurricular activity like football that so many of these kids rely on to bridge the gap until 4.30 or 5 o'clock or after in the afternoon when their parents can get home and watch them. So now suddenly you've got online virtual school during the day, which who knows if a lot of these kids have computers and the means to do that. Then you've got, even if they're in school, the chance of no practice and not getting ready for games for a lot of kids. So they're going to be left to do whatever they're going to do. It's, it's a mess. Um, it's like I say with a lot of things, we can no longer walk and chew gum at the same time in this country, and much less this county, in Davidson County in the state. It all has to be about one issue at all times, and COVID-19 is that one issue for so many people. They don't factor in other things. Certainly, COVID-19 has to be an issue with every decision you make. It can't be the only issue that you factor in, and there are a lot of other issues with not having school or not having football or not having girls soccer. You know, I'm thinking of other fall sports that now in Davidson County would be, would be postponed at, the, at minimum with this. People have to factor in everything when making a decision. I think all too often people are only making one factor the decision maker, and I, I unfortunately think that's what we're seeing here by Metro Nashville. It blows me away, Joe, because I, you know, a lot of times – situations do not affect each and every one of us, right? There is no perfect solution for every family, for every household in every city and every state. Like I understand that. And sometimes I have to reevaluate stuff through that prism. It helps keep me on track, helps me kind of stay balanced with 
who it is that I'm talking to compared to my own experiences. So from the, from the one perspective, I'm affected by none of this. I don't have kids. I don't have to worry about going to work on a regular, I mean, going to work. I, I work from home on a regular basis. I am not relying on one schools for education, two schools for childcare, but so many people are. To your point, Chad, about being able to walk and chew gum at the same time, I mean, you see it even with the coronavirus coverage. Like when the George Floyd protests happen and then the riots that were going on in some cities, all of those things, it completely became about that specific issue. COVID essentially evaporated for the better part of a week and a half. And then after the fact, we came back around and we started covering COVID-19 again because it can only be about one thing. There's so many problems with all of this. I don't know, you know, I I don't want to have these conversations without the ability to come up with solutions. Like it does nobody any good to just sit here and bitch into a microphone. You know, that's a good point is that somebody had said uh, a long time ago, somebody said, yeah, we got plenty of answers. We don't have a solution. Yeah. And that resonated in my head like, oh, that's deep. And that's deep with that. And that's the thing is that with what's going on now in, you know, some certain people don't want it. They want it to play because and I get the concern of some of it, but you know, and I'm not a data guy. I'm not a scientific guy. I read what I see out there. You know, and the transmission rate from these kids is almost nil. You know, I'm more concerned. I have a 14-year-old son in the eighth grade who does play football. I'm more concerned about him getting the flu than I am with this. I mean, back in January, a lot of school systems were out for unknown illnesses, and they canceled. I never saw the outrage that we're seeing now. You know, and it's just amazing with me. So I'm working. I get people like, "Aha! Well, if he gets it, it's on you." No, it's not on me. I'm more worried about him getting the flu than anything else. I hate that anybody has this. One death is one way too many. I understand that. But, again, with life, man, it's just I saw a great sign the other day. It says, if you live in fear, fear does not keep you from dying. Fear keeps you from living, okay? And there are protocols in place to keep these kids safe, and now it's just like, all right, we're going to wait to the whole number down overall and let these kids – and Nashville go play football or soccer, whatever. And it's just, you're hurting the kids, man. You're hurting the kids in so many ways that I, it, just, it frustrates me. Chad, I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm hearing what Joe's saying. And it's, it's paralysis by fear is basically the diagnosis. Do you think we're at that stage? Because this was supposed to be a po- – like, I'm looking for any reason to talk positively about sports on a regular basis. Hutton shift me in the side on on Tuesday when we tried to talk positively about the NFL. Sandbag so me right out the game. <laughs> Always so negative. Just, just, a, just a dead weight <laughs> around my shoulders. But now, you know, we're, we're, we get this news about high school football. You guys – are two of the foremost experts on Tennessee high school football that we have in the local media. We've been, we've been talking about doing this podcast for a while now, and now we get sidetracked, at least in Metro Nashville, and we'll see how long that goes. Are we at a point where this is just paralysis out of fear and logic and reason no longer govern what's happening, uh, I mean, in many aspects of life at this point? Yeah, logic and reason haven't governed anything uh, in this country in a while quite frankly. And it is a lot of fear. and It's a lot of emotion also. I mean, I think people are emotionally invested for whatever reason in a pandemic and a response to it. And some of that is based on political leanings. Some of that is based on, quite frankly, on fear. You know, some, and some people have more reason to fear this virus than other ones for sure. But, I, you know, hitting on what, what Joe said, and I was talking to a high school coach earlier today, and they said, 
hey, I go to every media member and, and tell them, hey, if you had the story about the kid that was hospitalized with this, the football player or his parent or his grandparent or the big story about how they got it in practice and then took it home and someone died from it, can you report that, please? Because I've yet to see that. Because there's all this talk about all these bad things that can happen. And now the big talking point is, well, years from now, you're going to have long-lasting ramifications from this fire. We don't know that. So just like I might say something on the optimistic side that we don't know for sure, when you say things like, hey, you're going to have long-lasting effects from this, you don't know that either because this is a novel coronavirus. We're just now learning about it. We could have World War III in the next five years also, but I'm not going to sit around and worry about that. We have to look at everything that's in front of us right now. We have to look at how this is not affecting young people. It's affecting young people, and I'll back up Joe on this. It's affecting young people at less of a rate than the flu would affect young people. If you were an older person or you were at risk, I can understand not going to a high school football game this fall or any football game or out in public unless you have to. Absolutely get that. You have to take those risks into account. But I think for Metro Nashville to say – after the state said you can start practicing high school football tomorrow, uh, you know, and then you can play games on August 21st for them to come back and say, nope, you can't do anything until after uh, Labor Day, I think is a farce, quite frankly. And uh, there needs to be a little bit more personal decision-making in this whole thing. And I, I don't like it. And I'm with Joe. I, I'm, look, I'm emotional about the kids that are involved with this and the coaches because I'm attached to it. And it's personal to me for that reason. I feel awful for those people that are involved in this right now. And I, I know they're hurting because of this decision. TNHighSchoolFootball.com is where you can check out Chad Withrow's investment in Middle Tennessee football and local high school football. Uh, of course, the Midday 180, where you can find Chad, Joe Dubin. Where, what, what's your Twitter handle now? Didn't you get hacked? What happened to you? I, get, I got hacked. I got the shadow ban on Twitter. I followed too many certain people that you shouldn't follow, allegedly. So I just added the TN. It's now Big Joe on the go TN on Twitter. I was not going to get back on because, you know, you get on there and it's just, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. But then – we had that DeRocho, that tornado that came through back in May, and it just ripped through my neighborhood. Well, I needed Twitter to find the Metro Police Department and NES because they tweet stuff out during that. So that's why I got back on Twitter, and I've scaled way back on who I follow and what I do. I just need – I'm a guy who craves information at all times, and then so I needed the information that you get from the good sources on Twitter. And, you know, and like today we were able to talk about – what's going on and tweet it out and get reaction from people about what's happening. And it's funny. A lot of people who say that, you know, this shouldn't, you shouldn't play football and all that stuff going on. It's just a blanket statement because it's like, just don't play, but they don't think about everything that's involved. And if you look like Chad was saying, look at the numbers involved in all this. These kids are, they're not dying of this. They're recovering at a huge rate. I'm not a medical doctor. I do not want to be one. And if there was any cause of concern that my son was going to get this, I'd be the first one jerking him off the football field. I feel absolutely 100% confident that he will be okay playing football. I'm more concerned about – and I know that I saw the Clay travis Darren Ravel argument back and forth. The car thing, people – I hate it. People, their car wrecks every single day. We still drive. And, you know, Darren Ravel's like, well, your car's not infected. It wasn't that. It was a context of – you still you can't be you can't be gripped by fear every day, and then so I was looking forward to practice and everything, but now it's put on hold. And 
Uh, I just feel bad for these kids and for these coaches. I spoke to this summer coaches about their players. So what's the main thing that all this that you didn't like about any of this? And they all said, I missed my team. I missed my guys. I missed them in the locker room. I missed talking to them. I missed yelling at them. I missed loving on them. And, man, that, re- that resonated huge in me because here's a grown man talking about these 16, 17, 18-year-old kids that he misses, that he loves, and he wants to be with them. And mold and sports is so amazing for these kids at this age. And now it's been taken away for – I don't – of course, I just – I got a bad feeling about Metro now, I man, after reading that letter and hearing what's going on because you're applying all the metrics to everything. It's a – whatever word you want to use for that. And I just think it's a bad thing right now. And the counties outside Metro, they're going to be fine. They're going to play football and go forward. And God bless them. Joe, come on to Mount Juliet, man. I, I know your son, <laughs> I think, is a DCA. Come on, Wilson County's playing football. <laughs> Bring him on over. We could we could use a lineman like your son. I, I think it'd be a good idea. <laughs> and I, I say that jokingly, but, you know, when Tennessee was in danger before Governor Lee's executive order, when Tennessee was in danger of not playing football at all, there were guys defecting across the border to go play high school football in Georgia or Virginia up in the Tri-Cities or whatever it may be. There were coaches that legitimately were fearful they would lose half of their team because they would go and try to play football somewhere else. And for some of these guys, Buck, it could be a situation of, you know, not the SEC-level talent. They're going to get a scholarship no matter what. But what if you're a guy who might get uh, be able to go play football in the NAIA or in Division Two? Well, you're a borderline player that may or may not get a scholarship offer based on playing football this year. That's going to hurt a lot of Metro Nashville kids. That could have hurt a lot of kids across the state, and that's why they were considering going and playing in different states. Thankfully, that's not going to happen now everywhere outside of Metro that we know of, but I'm very sympathetic to, to parents like Joe, to kids like his, his son and, and others out there that now are going to be deprived of that ability possibly to play football for the entire season. But certainly right now it looks like until after Labor Day. At least that's the ask. You know, the email that was read was, we are asking you to do this. I didn't see anything in there about a public mandate that you wouldn't be able to play football. So I guess that does leave open, especially with some private schools, where they could go ahead and play football if they decided, at least right now. See, that was my next question, and it just shows how much more professional the two of you are than me. And, Dubin, don't think I'm not going back to the Twitter accounts that you followed that got you – that's absolutely – the things that got you in trouble on list. Twitter. You just think so I'm not coming back to that. There's no way you're glossing over that with I feel so bad for the kids. I'm coming back for you, buddy. Sure. But uh, the, uh, the, the, the effect after all of this on how you complete – any semblance of a high school football season when one county is good to go on a certain date, another county is being withheld for a certain amount of time, understanding that as we talked about, people are making decisions because there's just so much we don't know. And the information, for good or for bad, it changes every damn day, and it goes all over the place. And so people are forced into these positions where they feel like they need to make decisions without considering all of the ramifications afterwards. How does Tennessee high school football put together some kind of normalcy this season when all of the counties are not on the same page about when they can start? That's the million dollar question. For example, take McGavick. I don't know their schedule, but I, you know, I know it's a Metro school. Say their first three games are not in district. They play, say they play teams that are in different classifications, not in their district. And now these teams 
what are they going to do? What if they do in-district games now that they're scheduled for that? There's another problem that you have there. Do they get a forfeit for that? They can't make it up because other schools are going on. There is no answer. There's no solution. This is just chaos now for the schools in Metro who try to get out and play other schools. And if you're a school, say, in Montgomery County, and you're scheduled to play Overton, and now that game's off, and maybe that's a could be a district game or a region game, you need that win, and now that's gone. And there's a, I just could keep going on and on and on and on with this stuff. There's, I don't know. I mean, this is just, this is utter chaos right now in a world of scheduling. And I don't, I don't envy the athletic directors of these schools at all right now. Well, and that's a, it's a good point you bring up, Joe. And I just went and looked this up because you said McGavick. They are scheduled to open up at BGA. So here you have a private school in Williamson County in Franklin that could host a Metro school. But yet the Metro uh, Public Health Board is saying, don't play football until after Labor Day. So that's where it's sort of a slippery slope, right? I mean, you're playing outside of Davidson County if they played that game. You're playing against a school that's not a public school. You're going and playing against a private school. So could they decide to do that? I mean, I don't think so because of what's being asked of them, but it does bring up some interesting questions if it's not an outright ban of, of contact sports until after Labor Day. And reading in, in the wording of that email, it certainly doesn't seem that way. It seems like it's more of an ask than them saying, you have to do this. I just I, – I, I, I desperately want to come up with solutions. Like, I desperately want to help – like, I, I don't know. I just feel helpless in the middle of all this conversation. I'm sure I'm not the only one. I'm sure many people feel helpless by all of this because you think you're making progress. You think you're getting back to something that we are supposed to have that many states have already approved and, and seem to be showing positive signs for the progress here that we're making Tennessee. And then you get these kind of setbacks and it just completely nukes, uh, nukes all, all best laid plans for 2020 seem inevitable well, not only that, but what does it do? Like you know, the NFL, right? You know, teams in California are they? I mean, are the Rams allowed to play? I mean, are the Chargers allowed to play? I mean, it, this goes on and on and on of things to the college level and the pro level. What if Mayor Cooper said, "Well, you know what? High school football can't play. Titans aren't going to play either." Does he have the power to do that? I don't know. Does he? Uh, I mean, I don't have the answer to that question. I we keep. I mean, it's it's. Live sports are not supposed to happen with fans in the stands. We know this until phase four of the Tennessee pledge governor, Bill Lee's Tennessee pledge, the, the four tiered plan to reopen uh, Tennessee in the middle of coronavirus. But yeah, that's the thing that, that that's the thing that all sports that are not being played in a bubble are having to deal with. We had this conversation. You're going, you're going state by state, county by county, local government by local government. Who, who get to essentially decide whether these things can happen or to what degree these things can happen. And that's why I'm sitting here looking at the NFL season. I'm, I have every confidence that it's going to start. I have every confidence that they're going to get rolling uh, to a certain extent. And then I don't know what the hell is going to happen because I can't see a world where they continue uninterrupted with just how inconsistent the legislation is on this. The messaging is on us, and the and the governance overall on all of this stuff. When it comes to sports, you can't find a clear line that everybody's supposed to follow, and maybe that's necessary based on you know just how many different locations you're dealing with and all of this stuff. But look, searching for solutions isn't possible if if we can't find one thing that works. 
Well, and here's the, a, a good buddy of mine actually sent me a text today, and we were talking about this on our show, but he said, why are we not talking about these AAU tournaments that are going on? Bingo. All these other things that are happening right now, there's no talk of that. I've got a niece in Nebraska who just played in back-to-back weekends in Omaha in a huge tournament. Parents and family members were there. They're playing four or five games a day. I'm not hearing about outbreaks involved with that. Quite frankly, if you just shut off the news and said we're playing high school football this year and you went out and played high school football, even if you did the temperature test the way they're asking every day on the practice field, I bet you would have a lot of guys that were sick with COVID-19 and never knew it based on statistics of young people being asymptomatic. You're not going to be tested all the time like in the NFL or college football or, or any other sport. So this is kind of an ignorance is bliss scenario, I think, for a high school football because you could probably have COVID-19 run through your team in the locker room and maybe one or two guys, based on statistics, would actually have symptoms with it. And maybe one guy out of 20 teams has some severe symptoms with it. And then everyone else would be fine. It would be just like the flu or the cold running through your, your building. Now, the problem with that is it does affect at-risk people. So what about the coach? And the, I get all that. But in terms of just high school football being played, I mean, I think if you didn't have these things in place, you could probably have a normal season. The issue then becomes once someone has a slight temperature or you know of one person who tested positive, then everyone gets tested, and then games are going to be lost for that reason. And to your point, Buck, that's what we're going to see in the NFL and college football more than likely because we're going to have that knowledge because they're getting tested so often in those sports. Maybe, maybe we all just do like Vic Beasley. Like Vic Beasley, Ian Rappaport just put out a tweet. says the Titans veteran pass rusher Vic Beasley did not show up for COVID-19 testing again today. There has been no communication on why or where he is per sources. Maybe we just all turn off our phones, say to hell with it, like Vic Beasley, and uh, and void our $9.5 million checks and go about our marriage. Like, I, it's just, all of this is so ridiculous. And maybe this was going to be the case anyway without COVID-19 and Vic Beasley. I mean, it's well, like, it's just, like, it's going to no go. No heard from him, right? For, like, he hasn't tweeted anything, nothing no. on social media. Like, do, do we know of his whereabouts? We haven't this talked is a, to him. such a weird story. We haven't talked to him once during the offseason. Apparently, uh, he has been uh, unreachable to this point by the team even before Report that. Go ahead, Durbin. Well, I was just – that whole thing is just crazy because, I, you know, I see today he didn't report. And then the thing with Isaiah Wilson yesterday and the whole thing of the, the COVID, it's just – it goes on and on and on and on. But, again, let's – you know, I, I got yesterday said, wow, that Titans first-round pick's got COVID coronavirus. He's not going to play. I'm like, where did you get that? Well, I heard it. Well, he doesn't have it. Now, he might have been on Saturday that might have had it. So let's stop, like Chad was saying, all this just fear-mongering of, oh, he's got it now, he's done, stay away from him. Well, that's not even the case. And so what's, it's, it's, it's become a left-to-right issue now, man, with a lot of people when they got it. It's like, well, I'll just cancel everything. And people say, well, you know what, he might have been around somebody. He could test fine. I know people have had it, and their significant other in their house didn't have it. And, in fact, they say, I didn't know I had it until I went and got tested because I was told to go get tested, and they had it. So it's all this craziness going on that just adds more fuel to this fire that's happening with everything. And, I, again, there's no solution. There's no answer. But seeing kids and adults on the field – Chad, I'll go back to your point a second ago. I wanted, that's what I wanted to say. Last week in Atlanta, there's this huge, huge baseball tournament, 16, 17, and 8-year-olds from around the country – it's the biggest event for travel baseball in the country. I've not heard 
like Chad was saying, one thing about a massive outbreak with these kids. And I think there's thousands of kids that were down there in Atlanta last week. The softball tournaments, the volleyball, I've heard any of that stuff. And I read everything. I'm always reading. So thankfully, that's not the case so far. And hopefully it continues to be the case that these kids are okay with it. Well, and, you know, it's not newsworthy if you're not afraid, right? The person sure. is not just terrified of everything and talking about it and writing about it and tweeting about it, that they're not going to get any attention because that's not as newsworthy. We're going to hear about the guys opting out of the NFL, and that's fine. Uh, but I'll give you a great example. What happened with the Marlins and Phillies this weekend? They put it up to the players. By the way, what a weird protocol that it just left up to the players and the teams. But either so way, dumb. they so leave it up dumb, to the players. Baseball. And Rojas, the captain of the Marlins, says, oh, we're playing. We're fine. They go to the Phillies and say, hey, they've got eight guys that we know about with COVID-19, maybe more. What do you want to do? Bryce Harper says, we'll play. We're fine with it. We'll go out there and play. And as of right now, not one Philly has tested positive after that, which is probably some good news about outdoor transmission, I would say, more than anything else. But my point being, we're going to hear about the people who are afraid of this virus. I think 90% of athletes – are just like the Marlins and the Phillies, and they really don't care. They're not going to sit there and talk a lot about how they don't care about it or how they're not afraid of it, but I think that's a good case study in how players feel about this and really their lack of fear of a lot of times. And, again, I know that some are and some rightfully are, but I think most of them are probably a lot like Rojas of the Marlins and Bryce Harper and what they said about it. Sure, and we're, but we're all going to gravitate, at least maybe not us collectively here, but – Media-wise, we're going to gravitate to the guys who say, like Donovan Smith, who voiced the opinion of maybe I'll opt out. Donovan Smith, the left tackle for the Buccaneers. Maybe I'll opt out. Maybe I won't. I'm still considering this for the health and safety of my family, yada, yada, yada. But that's the headline, right? He's the story at that point because he's the anomaly. You're asking, and especially in football, the, this goes against their programming for the entirety of their lives. Well, my, my, I'm a little sore today. We'll play through it. Uh, I don't feel great today. Maybe I got a little bit of a head cold. Well, we'll play through it. Of course, these guys who you ask to consider or to disregard risk on a regular basis, and many of them, if they make it to the professional or collegiate and professional levels, have just completely put risk aside in their minds. They do better without it, and it allows them to play faster, play freer, play, play more aggressive, as, as to use coaching cliches and all of these things. But it's very, very real. Of course the athletes aren't going to consider the additional risks when they're already putting the ones associated with their day jobs out of the door. It's, it's not unbelievable by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that playing football – I mean, look, playing football in and of itself is a risky proposition, especially when you're playing professional football. So every time they go out there and play a game, they're, they're taking on a certain expectation of physical risk that could happen to them when they play. So you add to that – a virus that really shouldn't affect them greatly based on statistics, um, then they're probably not going to be as concerned about it. Now, if they've got someone at home they're going to be going to that really would be at risk for it, then I can understand that concern. But I think for the most part, you're not going to have a lot of guys in the NFL or any sport, college football also, that are going to say, I'm worried about me, right? Especially football players. They're not going to say, I'm worried about me with this virus. It's going to be more about, I'm worried about someone that's in my house right now. Yeah. And I also wonder if you look at this, there's some very powerful schools, private schools in Nashville, Tennessee. Can they, I'm just, 
I hate the litigation part of this. Can they try to stop this? I mean, how does, I mean, I know in the public perception, they'd be like, oh, you don't care about the kids, but then you back it up by the stats and they love to throw the stats and science and data around of how this is not affecting the kids. I, I don't know, man. I just, if you're at one of these powerful private schools in Metro, I'm talking not only football, but girls soccer, uh, because Metro Bars tried it, right? They tried to get an injunction against the mayor and they got ruled out. But, you know, you do it because you hope you can put a stop to it. And by the time you rule on it, you might get a favorable ruling and, the, you know, the transmission rate might go down. I don't know. But if I'm a private school, I'm, who knows? Might try that option to see what you could do. Speaking of private schools, what's weird about the, the email we were discussing? I don't know if you saw this, Joe, but the, sign, the, the people who signed it at the bottom, you had the doctor – yeah, the head of the Metro Health Board. You also had Brad Joya, who's the headmaster at MBA, sign the bottom of the letter. So speaking of powerful private schools and powerful private school programs in Nashville, you've got Brad Joya at Montgomery Bell Academy signing that letter, which I don't know what his involvement in that is other than they just went to a powerful private school and got the headmaster that agrees with them to sign this letter to everyone in metros showing some sort of buy-in. But again, I don't know if he's on the health board in, in Nashville or what, but I, I found that interesting to your point. Wow. Will some powerful private school just say, screw it, we're playing either way, and you can't stop us? Certainly not going to be NBA. That's what we get from that letter. Maybe he they're says, protecting themselves against people like you, Dubin, that would sue them. They're saying, let's get one <laughs> guys on here. We got it covered. Well, he's president, Chad, and great. You're the Indiana Jones, Chad, of emails. Nice nice grab on this. He's the president of the Independent Schools of Nashville. What the hell is that? So I guess he's the president of all the private schools and, and independent schools. He's the head of that. So you've got Metro saying it, and now you've got the head of all the private schools saying it. Also, asking, again, we are asking that you do this. Doesn't mean they have to. And See, look, the I, TWSWA, we can talk about this. The TWSWA is asking – you limit attendance and asking that everyone wears masks to every game. Now, we're not naive. I don't feel like the three of us. Do we really think people going to a high school football game are all going to be wearing a mask the entire time? And that <laughs> no. the can't even all get them to wear a mask at Kroger, for God's yeah, sake. Yeah, I mean, the, the science teacher working the gate, are they going to stop someone and tell them to go home if they don't have their mask on them when they're paying to go to the high school? <laughs> I mean, it's just not going to happen. And high school coaches and administrators, they know it. They're going to do their, the best job they can of looking like they're trying to, to make all this stuff mandatory, but we all know this isn't going to happen, especially in rural areas across the state. Maybe it happens more in Metro Nashville. Not going to happen in Lewis County, in Hohenwald. It's just not. What places where you haven't had many cases at all. See, Dubin, you tried to find a solution, and Chad shot you down. There's no, there's no end to this stuff. Well, here's another email. It says, Get into it. We've asked Metro's Channel 4 asked Metro schools to clarify extracurricular activities that have to wait until after Labor Day. They confirmed it includes everything that can't be done virtually, debate team, chess, etc. more and more and more. Okay. So it's just, it gets more confusing as you go on. Well, I'm sure and, we will see precious little resolution uh, in the meantime. I am happy, though, that we were able to bring this uh, this – uh, this, uh, what, what do you want to call it? Meeting of the minds. Holy among, Trinity. Holy Trinity. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the triumvirate. 
I think you said Holy Trinity, and my skin started to sizzle a little bit. This so is maybe, I'm not. This is not blasphemy. I was joking, by the way, for anyone anyone watching. I'm sure. No, you, you've offended all else. of the Bible thumpers. See, Chad had to come on here and offend somebody. We this That's is right. this has been too mainstream. <laughs> had to go after. He had oh, to go I guarantee after you, Joe Jesus. and I just I, I just offended a lot of people. I'm going to hear about from on Twitter. So don't oh, yeah. about that. Well, I do every day. And most of them exist in my podcast feed. So probably so. I look forward to the reaction. Uh, I can't get. Wait to call Clay. Uh, I'll be called Clay Travis Jr. again for the one thousandth time today because I have some <laughs> opinions that happen to be in line with him. That's always fun. Yeah, people are dumb and lazy. It happens. That's right. Joe Dubin is not dumb and lazy. You can find him on WSMV in the mornings. Big Joe on the go. TN is his Twitter handle. Big Joe on the go is his Instagram handle where you can get more high-quality, premium Big Joe content. <laughs> Midday 180, 10 to 2 on our friends on 104.5 The Zone is Chad Whitrow show along with Jonathan Hutton and Paul Kaharski, the Chit Chat Podcast. We are seeing Dubin's dog, who to my knowledge does not yet have a podcast, but we will see how that landscape develops. You can also read all of the great coverage that Chad and his team do at tnhighschoolfootball.com. They are going to be following this very closely boys i appreciate the time i was hoping that it would be uh more fun <laughs> i mean it was fun but we could have had more fun had things uh had things gone to plan but they never do in 2020 but i'm happy that you were here anyway always fun buck thanks for inviting us thank you brother appreciate it boys we'll see you okay five good minutes on this thursday on some titans topics we rarely do titans topics in five good minutes, because typically that's the bulk of the conversation had here on the 615 sessions with our guest co-host. But with the high school football stuff, we have a little time to rant and rave about what's going on, what the hell is going on with the Tennessee Titans. And these are not uncommon problems that the this particular NFL franchise is having. This is going to be something that, unfortunately, for football fans and for football teams, this is going to be fairly prevalent, fairly common uh, across the league. But you do have some pretty unique situations in one. We'll talk about Vic Beasley, Corey Davis, Jayon Brown, and Isaiah Wilson. We'll go down the list of the transactions that were made after we spoke to Mike Vrabel on Tuesday. By the way, we will also speak to Ryan Tannehill and Logan Woodside Later this afternoon, about 12.30 for QB1 and 1 o'clock for QB number two, whom I'm not sure I know. I'm not sure what I know, uh, whether I know what Logan Woodside looks like yet or not, but we will find out uh, here coming up at 1 p.m. Unfortunately, this podcast will drop long before then, so I will not be able to report to you what Logan Woodside looks like. Regardless, let's start with what's happening at St. Thomas Sports Park. So, The first thing that comes out is the Titans have their first opt-out of the 2020 season, an undrafted rookie offensive tackle, Anthony McKinney from TCU. He was placed on the reserve voluntary opt-out list. He's out. So at this point, we understand Steve Lehman and Jonathan Hutton and myself, we talked about this. The Titans starters, the star players for the Titans, none of them are expected to opt-out at this time. They have until August 7th to do so. Here are, though, the things that cause you great concern. And we'll go down the list. So you have Jayon Brown, middle linebacker, wide receiver Corey Davis. They are going to start training camp on the PUP, the physically unable to perform list. Now, that does not necessarily upset me. 
uh, or should ex- upset you. If I was to be a Titans fan, I look at that and say, okay, they're just playing it safe with these guys. Maybe they have some lingering stuff from last year that they're still trying to work through, which is not the end of the world. Jeffrey Simmons spent all of this offseason rehabbing in the Titans facility in a time where really nobody outside of the players who qualify for that kind of rehabilitation would be able to work out in a facility. Jeffrey Simmons was doing that, still off an ACL injury from almost a year and a half ago at this point What that he is rehabbing. So Corey Davis, Jayon Brown, not the end of the world. No great risk at this point. Now you have the first player for the Tennessee Titans franchise placed this season on the reserve COVID-19 list. That is your first round pick Isaiah Wilson, the right tackle. So here is, and I wrote about this for A to Z Sports Nashville.com. We did a primetime show on it. This one, I think long term, scares you a little more because it just, you know, it makes it real. Now, pl- being placed on this list, and this is a problem with the coverage because people do not, and a problem, not just a problem with the coverage, problem with the coverage and a problem with the way that people discern the information being relayed to them. Because Isaiah has been placed on this list does not mean that he has tested positive for COVID-19. It means he has either tested positive for COVID-19 or come into contact with somebody who has been diagnosed with the virus. People should not automatically jump to the assumption that Isaiah Wilson has the disease. This is not something that the NFL teams are allowing their, that the NFL is allowing their clubs to release that is just something as a precautionary measure that they are doing without letting us know whether it's a positive test or it's just contact tracing at this point and they're quarantining him to be safe. We don't know how much time he's going to spend on this list because as we said, there's no discerning between whether he actually has it or whether it's just been coming into close contact with somebody who does. So, that one creates a real situation where COVID-19 on an NFL football team, your NFL football team, becomes real and very much tangible. That causes a chain effect, which we, we don't know yet. We will find out what, how, whether he's been in contact with other rookies after the fact on their report date, which was July the 23rd when quarterbacks and rookies came back to the facility. We will find out the chain events that result from Isaiah Wilson probably in the coming week and a half uh, when next we speak, probably to Mike Vrabel. we got a Titans training camp schedule, and we will speak to him again at some point next week, so we will be able to follow up on more information. Now you have Vic Beasley, the main event, the piece de resistance. Vic Beasley, the outside linebacker whom you are currently set to pay, $9.5 million. He did not show up to work on either Tuesday or Wednesday. That now has accumulated him $100,000 worth of fines. At this point, they are not able to contact him. Ian Rappaport reported that there has been no explanation given for why Vic Beasley is not at St. Thomas Sports Park. Teron Davenport confirmed with his sources, our buddy from ESPN.com, that they have not been able to make contact with Vic Beasley. And I heard from within that facility that this has been pretty much the case the entirety of the offseason. Guys, when they are not in the facility, when you are not able to physically track them down, they are much, much harder to get a hold of. 
much of the offseason, in fact, the vast majority of the offseason, if not all of the offseason, if memory serves, was optional, voluntary. And maybe some of these guys took it to heart. Now, I don't know how frequently or infrequently Vic Beasley was in virtual Zoom meetings with the outside linebackers group, with the defense, on team meetings, whatever the case may be. That information, I do not know. But I have been told that he has been difficult to get a hold of this entire offseason. And so where the hell do they go from there? How do they manage this? Because if they cut him, it's $9.5 million against the cap. That's not going to happen. If he decides that he does not want to show up for work, I believe he has until their first full squad meeting on August 17th to do so before some tangible action has to take place, deciding whether Vic Beasley is going to be on the 2020 roster or not. Obviously, they have much time, much more time than that to discern a 53-man roster, but there will be a chain of events that result after that first team meeting that decide whether the hell Vic Beasley is going to be on the team this year. And we say all this with, with the... I'm trying to think of the right way to put to put this. I want to make sure that I'm not ripping a guy who's there's just no information out there about. And trust me, guys, we've tried to find out what the hell is going on with this dude. At this point, we don't know whether he's okay or not. And I don't want to make excuses where excuses might not exist, but you always want to start these things by saying, and I didn't start it by saying, I just tore into Rick Beasley, Vic Beasley for not being here, but I want to say this on the back end, that there, we don't know whether he is physically okay. There, I don't want to assume that there might be something mentally wrong. I don't know at this point. And that creates this void, this vacuum, where all of us begin to speculate in a way that really doesn't do anybody a great disservice. So, at this point, you have an outside linebacker, a free agent, who you signed on your roster for $9.5 million. He will count against your salary cap if the team cuts him. If there is a reason where Vic Beasley decides in 2020 he either wants to opt out or not fulfill the terms that he agreed to with the Tennessee Titans, that money, if that transaction is done from Beasley and his representative side, that money becomes available to you again, and then you can re-pursue, repurpose the free agent outside linebacker slash edge pass rusher market, which includes Jadavion Clowney, Everson Griffin, Jabal Sheard, many names that we have listed, Vinnie Curry, guys who are still out there looking for jobs. But it's an interesting case, one that we have seen very, very little movement on, one that I'm sure they will be loath to, uh, loath to comment on in the meantime. And Mike Vrabel, the one thing that I think about, first and foremost, is both Mike Vrabel and John Robinson, because they got out there for this guy early when we discussed him after free agent signings were made. We haven't spoken to Vic Beasley once this offseason. He has not been made available to the media, and I think that's because they haven't physically been able to find this guy. I can't imagine how pissed off Mike Vrabel and John Robinson are about this particular situation, especially when they go to bat for a guy and he just doesn't show up for work. Five good minutes here on this Thursday. The curious case of Vic Beasley. Actually, that's double our time. Ten good minutes here on the 615 Sessions podcast. But now it's time for the weekend. Now it's time to get this show on the road. Shouts to Chad Withrow and Joe Dubin of 
the Midday 180 and WSMV, respectively, for their insights and opinions on the state of high school football in Tennessee and fall sports in Tennessee. A curious, Many curious cases ahead. We're all trying to feel out this COVID thing and the return to sports in some form or fashion. That is a developing story, as well as Vic Beasley. We will continue to provide you the best conversations here in the Nashville sports market on the 615 Sessions. We appreciate our guests who stop by and do so. We also appreciate you guys who rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast in the A to Z Sports Podcast Network. Five stars on those ratings. I saw many five stars come in on the ratings, by the way, but they were mostly just for the opportunity to rip the Tighten Up podcast, which makes me very, very happy. So continue to do so uh, as long as those five stars are there. You don't have to ask me questions. You can just rip the Tighten Up podcast, and we can take your five stars, and we can move along transactionally. That way, it is much appreciated. That's how this show grows. That's how this show gains more traction. We, we got great traction already, but we could always use a little more. Who couldn't use a little more? Onward and upward is the trajectory for the 615 Sessions podcast and the A to Z Sports Podcast Network. So rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Meanwhile, I need you to stay safe to stay clean, to enjoy your weekend, and stay hot, Nashville. This has been the 615 Sessions podcast, powered by Tennessee Tickets. Brought to you, as always, by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com.